Are you looking to grow your business and stay resilient? Look no further than FM Global. With over 180 years of scientific research and engineering expertise, we bring innovative solutions to ensure your commercial property today so you can prosper tomorrow. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Friday, February 14th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next 45 minutes or so. Let's go over all kinds of things in the world of sports from a betting focus. Happy to have you with me here as we round out this week on Bang the Book Radio. One guest, two segments here today, a lot of college basketball coming your way. The first segment with Greg Peterson of the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast, also from VSIN. You can follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. Spent some time with him talking some college basketball here with some thoughts on the mental side of handicapping, a look at Friday night's card, and an extended look at the card coming up here on Saturday. Second part of today's show, I'm just going to do a quick segment here talking about some of the college basketball situational spots that I'm looking at for this weekend, and also some of the spots I'm looking for in the NHL as well. Short show today, going to go try and meet up with the wife for a Valentine's Day lunch here, so you know what? Maybe not too bad to shave a little bit of time off of the show here today to spend some time with the woman I love. And hopefully you get the opportunity to spend some time with the people that you love tonight uh, and throughout the weekend here as well. Over at bangthebook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. Tons of stuff out there on bangthebook.com for the Daytona 500 this weekend, UFC event this weekend. We got NHL, college basketball, and NBA we got so much stuff going on here that, look, I mean, just head on over to bangthebook.com. Check it all out. We got stuff for the NBA All-Star Game as well as the skills competition and all that stuff coming up here for this weekend. Uh, we got it all over there at the website. We'll have an eSports preview for this week from Jonathan Willis also. We got XFL. I got picks up for all four games. We'll get some additional stuff from Charles J for this weekend on the gridiron. So plenty of things going on over at bangthebook.com. Please make sure you check it all out. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio, presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. All right, with that, we bring on our first guest. That is Greg Peterson from the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast. You can also find him on VSIN. Greg, how's it going today, man? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing very well, buddy. Appreciate your time here. Thanks for joining me on, uh, on this Friday morning here, the day before yet another massive Saturday card out there in college basketball. But you know, we like to talk about a topic and then talk about a few games over the course of our segments here. And something I thought would be pretty good to talk about the mental side of handicapping. I mean, th- this is a grueling business. Obviously, not everybody does what you do playing every side in total, but still, everybody is affected by the wins and losses, the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys. So how do you you know, stay away from getting too high on the good days and getting too low on the bad days? Just remember that this is all a process. If you're trying to get rich quick with regards to sports betting, you're doing it so incorrectly. You're going to just wind up more than likely going broke unless you're just super, super lucky. Just keep rolling it over and everything like that. Just recognize that there are going to be days where you have good calls and they're not going to come through. And there are going to be some days where maybe you have a couple misreads and you get lucky as well. Everything in the end winds up balancing out. And the big thing is just staying the course, making sure that if you feel like you have a good model, you just continue on with it. And if you see some issues with regards to your handicapping, you need to address those as quickly as possible in order to just get with plays that you feel comfortable with. And the big thing is just making sure that day in and day out, you feel like you put yourself in the best position to win. It's sort of like poker. With poker, you're not always going to get the wins, but if you push all in with pocket aces and it's pre-flop, you've done all that you can do to put yourself in a winning position. Same thing happens with college basketball like a few days ago. The Houston versus South Florida game. If you want to blame the points with Houston, you had yourself in a good position to win. Who would have thought that LaQuincy Radio winds up sprinting with nobody touching him to the rim to cause you that beat? I mean, it's one of these things where you need to sort of have a narrow mindset, take out all the noise, and just recognize the way that the games are going rather than sometimes the actual true results. Because when people say, and I quote, a beat's a beat, they're lying to you. 
Well, and I would never suggest that people do what you do, but you know, one of the things that's always difficult for people, and, and one of the reasons why you just decided, I'm going to go ahead and play every game, is that you always get that second guessing. You always you know, have your list of games that you like. You've got the ones you really like. You've got the ones you kind of like. And invariably, just about every night, you're going to wind up leaving off a game that wins for a game that loses because you know, a lot of people don't want to play all of the games that they like. They feel like they're kind of overextending themselves. Yeah, certainly. And that was a big reason why I wound up doing my style too because I always felt that, oh, my plays today went two and three. My leans went like six and two, and it just kept on going from there. I found that I was actually doing better with my leans and my plays. You expand the strike zone, the leans are still doing better than the plays, and then the list goes on and on. And I just decided to scrap it and say, you know what, let's just play everything because I'm noticing the edge I have on game number 85 might actually be better than the game I, the edge I have on game number three because maybe I just have game number three a little bit too overrated. And maybe game 85 is a game I have a small edge on, but at the same time, bookmakers aren't as sure about every last one of their lines that they're putting out as well, contrary to popular belief. Well, and I think the hard thing, too, about kind of trying to narrow down your card a little bit is that, in essence, you sort of wind up picking those games twice. You know, you've already done the handicapping process, but then you try to decide, do I want to take this game over that game? because I only want to take one of them. So you wind up picking that game twice. And I know that that's something that I've talked about in the past with, you know, professional handicappers or guys that sell picks or whatever. They've got that list of leans, but they can't send out, you know, 10 games to their clients because they don't want to put their clients in that position. So you end up picking that game twice. And I think that makes it even that much harder. So maybe in those instances, you kind of do something where maybe you lower your regular bet size, but just play everything that you like. That's exactly what I've been doing, too, because I'm one of those people. I'm not playing a full 1% of my bankroll on every one of my plays. It would be impossible to with how many plays I have. So it is one of these situations in which I'm playing these games at a little bit less. And at the same time, it actually makes the bad beats sting a little bit less because it would be one thing if you put, like, half your bankroll and then you have exactly what I went through a few days ago with South Florida happening and you played the money with, with Houston. I mean, that would be just absolutely deplorable. Meanwhile, if you have it come for a much, much smaller number, you can at the very least live with yourself a little bit more in some of those instances. So obviously, I mean, you've got a very busy schedule with the podcast, with your work for Visa and doing everything you do to handicap the card. But what do you do? I mean, what works for you in terms of kind of getting away from this for a little bit and just not getting burned out? Uh, I really don't get away from it too much. I went on a Valentine's date on Thursday evening with a girlfriend, but I pretty much do this every day. I really do not get burnt out. I love this thing. Every single day I wake up, I absolutely am blessed to be in this industry. Sports have been my passion. I really don't have an escape. My escape is sports. All right, fair enough. I mean, everybody kind of finds, you know, what works for them. And, and I think that's part of the learning curve here too. You know I mean? You look at anybody can handicap a game. Anybody can look at the stats, the analytics, the matchups, all that kind of thing. But the mental side of betting on sports is something that I think you have to find what works for you, no matter how long it takes you to find that. And if you're unhappy with what you're doing, if you're unhappy with how things are going, you've got to make changes. And that's something that you did. You're just going ahead and just blanket playing the card, you know, every single day. But the, the mental side of this business is something that does not get talked about enough. And one of the reasons why I thought it was a good idea to talk about it here today. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it is one of these things where I know a lot of people don't have the time and the effort and the means to be able to play every game and every day. That's why I really do feel fortunate. And it's a big reason why I don't get burnt out. It's because I recognize in my mind that, yeah, I might be doing sports every day, but at the same time, it could be worse. I could be like, a coal miner with like a little bit more vacation, or I could be someone that I have a aunt and uncle that they do dairy farming. I mean, that is a grind every single day. You don't get a day off. Cows don't milk themselves and everything like that. So it does really put things into perspective for me and make me feel fortunate that I do what I do. So we take a look here at the Friday night card here for Valentine's day and Really not a whole lot going on. Pretty small card. We got some MAAC, some Summit League, a little bit of MAC, a little bit of Horizon League, a lot of Ivy League, as always, out there on the card. And 
I'm not going to ask you what your favorite play is tonight because you always tell everybody on Twitter that every game is your favorite play. But what are some of the games that are more intriguing to you here tonight for this Friday night slate? How about the Davidson versus St. Bonaventure game? Because with St. Bonaventure, with big man Usan Usani in the fold, they are 16-2 and two straight up. And this is a Davidson team that a lot was expected of them. They've had a couple guys go with injury like Keyshawn Pridgen and company, but uh, it has not went well for them. They are one game above 500. They're coming off a couple nice wins, but I think half of those wins were against Fordham, which do they really count as A-10 wins? It's been just a tough situation. Meanwhile, Kyle Lofton starting to heat up for St. Bonaventure. You've got a team that ranks in the bottom 30 with yards possessions per game in St. Bonaventure in that they really like to slow games down, make them grimy, and just really make things a long day at the office for any team that they're playing against. I believe that they've given up 68 points or fewer in all but one of their games have ended in regulation this calendar year. So I do think that this is going to be a game that's very intriguing. I think that St. Bonaventure, as a short favorite here, should be able to take this one. What about this Akron and Central Michigan game? I think this one's kind of interesting, too, because Akron, I I don't know what I'm going to get day in and day out here. I mean, they are 4-3 and three over their last seven games. They lost by 10 at home to Toledo, lost by 3 at home to Buffalo in a pretty big favorite role, lost the rivalry game to Kent State, and then a game that we talked about on Monday's show, Eastern Michigan had 38 free throw attempts, only made 18 of them, and Akron beats Eastern Michigan by one. Now they take on a Central Michigan team that, doesn't really care much about playing defense, but wants to run the floor, score a ton of points. That kind of goes against what you know Akron wants to do. They kind of want to control a lot of things in their games. What about this one tonight up in, up in Central Michigan? And what I like about Central Michigan is the fact that you've got a lot of versatility. David Delo, Robert Montgomery are all guys that are able to shoot threes. I will say that Kevin K is able to shoot threes, but he shoots at under a 20% clip. So that doesn't do you a whole lot of good, but... What I do like about the way that Central Michigan is playing as well is they're getting guys like a Devontae Lane in the backcourt that have been able to step up as well. And this is an Akron team that I still think is still trying to find itself a little bit because at the beginning of the year, they were getting to 80-plus on the regular. Tyler Cheese was able to step up with Lorraine Christian Jackson. Both these guys have been doing a good job at the guard spot. It just feels like the defense is a little bit wishy-washy at this point. I think that is a big reason why we've seen this total come down. It opened up at 157 as we do this show. It's hovering right around 150. I do think that is the correct move because you do mention that Central Michigan likes to go up and down, but they've actually slowed things down a little bit more recently. So I do think that this is a good spot for an under, but I wound up having to take the points here with Central Michigan just being on their home floor. And to your point, Akron just being a little bit inconsistent over these last couple games with regards to both the offensive and defensive effort that you're going to get. I want to ask you about this game here in the Horizon League tonight, because this one actually gets a little bit of airtime this evening on the ESPN family of networks. And, you know, when you're a team like Wright State, and, and you don't really get a whole lot of press, you don't really get a whole lot of pub until you, you know, wind up playing your conference tournament, something like that. This one's actually on ESPN2 tonight. Wright State is the best team in the Horizon. They're in a revenge spot here against Illinois Chicago, who they lost to by four on January 12th. It seems to me like Wright State's going to want to make a statement here tonight, but that line has come down from 11 and a half to 11. Yeah, I just think that this is a couple too many points in this spot because while Wright State is going to want to come out, they're going to want to make a statement, and they do have a lot of experience. Keep in mind, the University of Illinois Chicago had the lone backcourt duo that entered into the 2019-20 season with 2,500 points under the belt in Marcus Audi along with Tarkus Ferguson. They are getting a little bit more down low out of guys like Joshua Blunt and company as well. I do think that Wright State is going to have a big advantage with Loud and Love. He's able to make some noise, 15.3 points, 10 rebounds per game. I do like what he's able to bring to the table, but I just think that double digits here is a couple too many. Now, I do recognize that Wright State has been a juggernaut at the Nutter Center with regards to straight-up record, but that doesn't mean double-digit win, in my opinion. And I think that Wright State is certainly going to be able to slow their offense. They've gotten to at least 70 points in all but one of their games so far this year. So I don't think that that's a question. Wright State on defense, though, could sometimes be very leaky. That's why I wound up taking the points here with the Flames. So how much does that narrative stuff factor into the handicap for you? The idea that this is a revenge game for Wright State, 
and they get a chance as the best team in the, in the Horizon League here to kind of show something on ESPN, too. Does that matter to you at all? It certainly does, but at the same time, these are still one of these situations where the numbers are the numbers, too. I think that some people, they don't take revenge into their handicapping at all, and I think that that's wrong. At the same time, they think that situational spots and everything like that mean everything, and that's not the case either. Just because you're a team that you probably should be 20 and 10 at the end of the year doesn't mean that you're probably going to go like 28 and two or something like that, just because of like motivational spots. I mean, it's one of these things where you have to sort of take it into a little bit of account, but at the same time, you got to recognize that the shoe is on the other foot for UIC as well. They're seeing themselves in a big time game. They have all the lights on them and they're able to make a statement by knocking off the best team in the Horizon league once again on the road as well. That's an excellent point. There are two sides to every coin here when you kind of talk about spots and, and things of that sort. So we'll see what happens in that one tonight on ESPN2. But, Greg, we'll transition over to the Saturday card here, which I know you'll be working on throughout the day here on Friday. A few games I want to touch on with you here. Obviously, West Virginia and Baylor, a game that's going to get a lot of run here. So we'll go ahead and start with that one. You know, West Virginia, a couple losses in a row here. Baylor, you know, for the most part, been clearly the best team here in the Big 12 this season. Only that one loss still, the three-point loss in a neutral setting to Washington up in the state of Alaska all the way back on November 8th. Are they on upset alert here in your mind? I think that this is going to be an interesting spot because what you like about West Virginia is the fact that you've got two guys that are able to pull down eight and a half plus rebounds per game in Oscar Shibwe and Derek Culver. Here's the thing with Baylor, though. They have allowed 30 points or fewer in every one of their games ever since the beginning of December. This team has been just an absolute juggernaut. We're seeing West Virginia come back to earth a little bit just because they don't have that guard play. They really lacked to be able to score against Oklahoma. We saw it happen against Kansas. They were unable to break the 50-point barrier. And you've got another Baylor team that is one of the best in all of college basketball with regards to defensive efficiency. I think that Baylor should be able to pull this one out, but I'm very curious to see what the line is as well because with Baylor, they've been covering a lot of small numbers so far this year. It's when you get into that 10-plus number that Baylor really runs into issues, and Baylor probably is not going to be a 10-point favorite here. No fans are butts about it, but when the number gets a little bit higher, that's when you start to look at a team that probably should have a little bit of an advantage on glass in West Virginia. Well, of course, we are recording this here on Friday around the lunchtime hour or so Eastern time, so we don't have any lines out for these Saturday games. We're just kind of going through some thoughts here. So what, what do you think of Baylor minus six, minus six and a half in that type of range? I'm thinking Baylor minus six, and at minus six, I probably would be looking at the Bears in this spot. It's when you get north of a touchdown that it would probably be more or less a take point with West Virginia, just because with West Virginia, I've had to downgrade them a little bit in my power rankings the last couple games, but with that rebounding, I do think that it certainly will be a single-digit game, and just for the fact that both these teams play very good defense and both these teams play very low and slow. All right, so we go to a rivalry game here in the A-10, VCU and Richmond. These schools, I believe they're separated by about four or six miles, something like that, actually in the city of Richmond. And in the first meeting, VCU just completely crushed Richmond 87-61. to Now this game, the Spiders are hosting this one. What do you think kind of happens here in the rematch of this matchup? I think that you're going to see an interesting spot here because with VCU, they have been just a terrible team against the spread, but they do a very good job of being able to force turnovers. This is a Richmond team that they've had to deal with some injuries. Their leader in scoring, Brandon Francis, has been missing for much of a 10 play due to a shoulder injury. So that has certainly affected them a little bit, but they still have a guy in Grant Golden down low that's going to be able to match up, in my opinion, with Marco Santos Silva. With Marco Santos Silva, he's really been the leader for VCU, and this is a VCU team that, they're able to go nine deep. I do like that. Here's the thing, though. You want to check on the status of Marcus Evans. We saw what happened when Marcus Evans was out of the fold for the NCAA tournament last year for VCU. They were unable to get that win against Central Florida. He injured himself a couple days ago. His status, as I'm seeing it right now, is uncertain to slightly doubtful. That is something that I'm going to need to monitor before I bet this game because if Marcus Evans is out, that drastically changes my power ranking on VCU because VCU 
Last year was one of the worst teams with regards to three-point shooting percentage. It really ascended this year because he was leading the team in assists, and he was able to give the team about a 40% three-point shooting percentage with a double-digit amount of points per game. Well, I think something else interesting for VCU here, I mean, obviously there, there's a lot of bad blood in this, you know, inner-city rivalry against Richmond. They also host Dayton on Tuesday. So this is back-to-back really big emotional spots for VCU. Next Friday, they're at St. Louis. Maybe we wind up talking about that game next week on the show. But tough week here for VCU emotionally, too. Oh, yeah. You do always have to take a look at some of those scheduling spots as well because you can't have a look at spot when both games are just this big. It's just emotionally draining. It is a little bit of a grind and a slog. Some teams rise up to these occasions. Sometimes you see this really be a igniter, for less of a better term, for a team being able to go on a big run. Other teams, they just wind up cratering because they wind up taking two debilitating losses against two very good teams as well. So it has some very long-term implications. Another good one here on Saturday, LSU and Alabama. I mean, this isn't really a game that's celebrated as much as the football side is, but obviously, you know, a pretty big rivalry here in the SEC. And Alabama loses to Auburn in overtime on Wednesday. They took 59 three-pointers in that game. Yep, they took 59 three-pointers. I was doing my podcast. I was reading off. I'm just like, how in the world did this happen? I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that. And this is just a completely new-look Alabama team. You bring in Nate Oates from Buffalo, and he has completely rechanged this entire team because last year, Alabama, 155th in regards to a possessions-per-game standpoint. This year, they are in the top five. They have been going at warp speed. I think it's so intriguing what they've been doing with just turning over a new leaf. Meanwhile, with LSU, the big key for this team is Javante Smart. He was really turning the ball over left and right non-conference play ever since SEC plays began. He's been doing a very good job. And an interesting trend is that because all these teams have been playing so fast in the SEC, I believe that the overrate is at least 50% with all but two teams in the SEC that is a trend that I have been monitoring. These games have been going over left and right. Well, when you shoot 59 threes, that certainly helps out the over as well. But with that said, this has just been an overconference in general with a lot of offensive efficiency and not a lot of defense. Well, and I think it's tough, too, because you look at Alabama here, and, I mean, they've lost four of their last five, and they're just chucking from anywhere. They're playing at a breakneck pace. And I know you talk all the time about betting numbers and not teams, and that's you know, what a, a lot of smart people in this business do. But, man, for Alabama, I just look at – there's such a high-variance team that I don't know if I can play on or against them. And you know what's interesting? You know who the best team with regards to the Power Five is with regards to cover rate? Alabama. They have been absolutely terrific against the spread because I think a lot of people have that same mentality. Oh, how is Alabama going to be able to hold up on defense? Somehow, some way, despite the fact that they're barely 500 against the spread – They've been covering so many of these games because they just continue to find a way to score. A lot of their games are going over, and it's because they're giving up a lot of these buckets, but they find a way to put together these runs and keep games close. And as you look at the first meeting between these two teams, LSU did win by 14 at home in Baton Rouge. Back on January 29th, Alabama shot 38 threes in that game, and to that point, that was second most for them in the season. They were 13 of 39 against Missouri back on January 18th. So I know they got, they dug themselves a pretty big hole early on in that Auburn game. I mean, do you see them chucking, you know, 43s or something like that in this one? I don't think so. With Alabama, this is actually a team that before that game, they hadn't been throwing up as many threes or three-point shooting rate. It's actually towards the bottom half of all of college basketball. That was a little bit of a unique game. I think that they're going to be driving trying to drive into the bucket a little bit more. That has really been a little bit more of a forte of theirs. I think that that was just a little bit of an isolated situation because they were going up against an Auburn team that their forte this year, unlike last year, is low post defense with guys like Austin Wiley. They wanted to avoid trying to get into the paint and have all those shots blocked. So instead, they were just going super fast and just throwing up threes in the eight seconds or less offense from the Phoenix Suns a few years ago. All right, so we take a look at a big one here in the Missouri Valley Conference. People that listen regularly to Bang the Book Radio know that I love the mid and low majors, and we'll talk about a couple of those games here for Saturday. But Northern Iowa and Loyola Chicago, I mean, these are 
probably the two best teams in, in what is a pretty strong Missouri Valley Conference, I think. There aren't a lot of really bad teams with the exception of Evansville. Even Illinois State had a win over Northern Iowa early on in the season of their three conference wins. But these are the two best teams here in the league. Which game is that? Uh, Northern Iowa and Loyola Chicago. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you with Northern Iowa. This bunch has been actually playing at a bottom 40 pace with regards to possessions per game. But you take a look at what they've been able to do. Their offensive efficiency is off the charts. You've got Trey Burrow barreling down with over 40% of his threes. You've got a guy in A.J. Green. He's been able to knock down triple after triple. You have a Northern Iowa team that they don't necessarily have a lot of facilitation, but they just do a great job of being able to find open threes, and they've been able to hit all of them. You still have that good you saw that good defensive style as well. They always have been known to do that. And then when you take a look at the other side with Loyal Chicago, this is a bunch that has actually been struggling on defense a little bit. Their hallmark is being able to hold teams down to fewer than 60 points. They have not been doing a whole lot of that because keep in mind in their last game against Evansville, they wind up getting off to like a 20 plus point lead. It was an absolute dream run at the start of the game. Evansville completely cut into that lead. They were able to actually retake the lead from Loyal Chicago in that game. Now, with Loyal Chicago, they were able to pull it out, but no cover in that one. So, I find it very interesting to see what's going to happen here. I've got to think that Loyal Chicago is going to want to feature the best low post player in this game in Cameron Crutwig, guy that does a little bit of everything, 15 points, over seven rebounds, four and a half assists. I call him the Ethan half of the Missouri Valley Conference. I think that if he's able to slow games down, if he's able to be a force it bodes well for Loyal Chicago, but if they aren't able to get him going down low, it might be a long day for the Ramblers. Northern Iowa won the first game 67-62, but overtime was required in that one. What do you think this number looks like when it opens up? Oh, boy. Probably Northern Iowa as a small favorite. I would put them at about a point and a half-ish. I mean, this Northern Iowa team, if they make their way through the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, and I mean, who knows? Maybe, depending on what happens with the bubble here, they could wind up being an at-large team, but this is not a team I would want to see in the NCAA Tournament at all. Oh, absolutely not, because you've got so many guys that they are able to do such a good job of being able to drain those threes. They're able to go on a run in a hurry, and yet they play at a controlled tempo, and they play strong defense as well. That is all the goods being able to make a run in March, much like their team back a couple years ago before they wound up blowing that lead to Texas A&M. We all know what happened with that, unfortunately. Speaking of the rest of the Missouri Valley here real quick, like I said, these are the two best teams in the league, but, you know, Bradley's a pretty decent team. Uh, Indiana State is a pretty decent team, certainly one of the better offensive teams here in this league. I mean, this conference tournament, Arch Madness, is not going to be easy to handicap, at least in terms of who winds up playing Northern Iowa for the title. And keep in mind, you've still got Drake out there as well. They've got Liam Robbins. He's been able to give the team nearly two blocks per game. He's been doing a very solid job of being able to help this bunch out. You bring in a guy in Roman Penn as well, and he has been a terrific point guard for them. So certainly not a team that I would want to face either. And we saw last year with just how wild and crazy things were with Bradley being able to win that tournament. Drake was playing with. I think myself and you out there on the floor with all their injuries, and yet they still covered that game in the Arch Madness final. So I do think that it's going to be very fascinating. I think that Northern Iowa should be the favorite, but that is always one of the more unpredictable conference tournaments out there. All right, let's go really, really under the radar here to the America East Conference. And I think this is a fascinating type of spot here. It's Binghamton against Vermont. Now, for those that don't know, and, and you probably don't, Binghamton is awful. I mean, they are very bad. Bart Torbick has them 342nd in the country. Vermont, a top 100 team, they're 83rd. Their one loss in conference play was at home to Stony Brook on January 8th. Vermont, in their next game on February 20th, plays Stony Brook. So they get their chance at some road revenge here. But first, they've got to try and cover a big number against Binghamton. How do you handle these types of spots here, particularly in the low major conferences? I do like it whenever you get a very overinflated line that typically is a play on the dog, in my opinion, because when you're just getting up to like 20 plus points and you got a look at spot, typically teams are going to take off the accelerator just a little bit. And that'll allow these 
teams that, let's face it, they stink, but at the same time, they want to be able to put up something on the statue, and they have just more motivation at the end of these games than, say, a Vermont would be if this line comes out like 22. Maybe Vermont is up 25 with about five minutes to go, but they realize, okay, we've got a big game coming up against Stony Brook. Let's save our guys a little bit. Let's make sure that we're all prepped for that one. Let's give the walk-ons. Let's give the guy who everyone's cheering Rudy for in the stands a shot to be able to get a couple minutes out there. And that allows Binghamton to be able to hit a couple threes and be able to cut it to, say, like 18 or 19 if that line's 22. So this is typically a spot where I do like being able to take those points. And it's always interesting, too, because I've talked to people that kind of fall on the other side of the spectrum and say, well, yeah, the starters and the guys that play a lot go on the bench, but the guys that don't get to play get to come out there. And they are motivated as hell to go out there and show what they can do, get themselves on the stat sheet, stuff like that. So it's always interesting to me to get those different perspectives in those games that look like blowouts that people just kind of you know throw away and discard. But maybe those are some of the games that you know have the, the greatest edges and the best betting opportunities. We were talking about 150 other games. Oh, yeah, every team is a little bit differently, especially when it comes to late-game fouling as well. Whenever you get, like, those eight-point games, you have to decide whether a game is going to be an over or an under. So many coaches play these so differently because we've seen it so much this year with some of these teams. I forget what game I was watching on Thursday, but it was a 30-point game, and you saw still some fouling. I think it was a Northern Arizona versus Northern Colorado game why a team is fouling down 30 with less than a minute to go. I have absolutely no idea, but we wound up seeing it. And that really plays into the over under because I think the opening line on that was 139 game lines, 138. And I think it was bet down to like 137 or something like that. So you got a middle because you had a team that was still motivated and playing in a 30 point game with a minute to go. Greg Peterson, you can hear him on the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast, also on VEASAN, and he does get some bylines there in the New York Post as well. Greg, what's the best way for everybody to find you? Well, you mentioned the Twitter feed, at GUnit underscore one It is where I tweet out all the appearances I make on VEASAN. I always tweet out my podcast, Hoopin' with Hoops, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn, which with Hoopin', it is spelled H-O-O-P-I-N as well, so... That makes it a little bit easier to find and on the Vegas Sense and Information Network this week. And I'll be doing some hosting both Saturday and Sunday. So you do want to tune into that. 11 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific. And on an Eastern time standpoint, that is 2 to 5 on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you just expand it. So 2 to 6 p.m. Eastern there. Once again, Greg Peterson, the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter. Greg, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for getting up and joining me today, and uh, good luck with everything this weekend. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. There you go. There's Greg Peterson again from the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast, also on VSIN. And make sure you follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. All right, so I'll spend a few minutes here finishing up this Friday edition of the show. And you know, some big injury news coming out of spring training with Mike Clevenger with a torn meniscus. He'll miss four to six weeks for the recovery for the procedure, probably another four to six weeks or so in terms of getting back and ready for Major League action. So I'll talk about that on Monday's edition of the Betters Box. I've had a few people reach out getting on the mailing list for the segment notes from the Betters Box and the show notes once I'm doing that as a full broadcast. Again, that's Adam at bangthebook.com, A-D-A-M at bangthebook.com. That'll get you on the list for the segment and for the show notes here for the Major League Baseball stuff. Going to send out what I had from yesterday's segment uh, here this afternoon. Sorry, I haven't done that as of yet. But again, we'll be doing some betters box stuff Mondays and Thursdays to get you ready for that upcoming baseball season. And also my Major League Baseball season win total guide, player futures, division, pennant, World Series futures, a glossary of a lot of the terms I like to talk about. That will be coming out next week at bangthebook.com. Very much looking forward to that. Should be a great read, a lot of good information. I'll be putting those up into separate articles at bangthebook.com and also putting together a PDF with everything all in one spot, and we'll probably put that up on Amazon as well. So you can look forward to that next week at the website. So to finish up this week on Bang the Book Radio, want to talk about some of the situational spots I've got my eye on here for Saturday in college basketball and 
the reason I decided I wanted to do this is because last night we got some very good spots. Winthrop and Gardner-Webb. Winthrop coming off of another game against Radford. They only beat Gardner-Webb by four at home earlier this season. Well, they lost outright to Gardner-Webb on Thursday night as a five-point road favorite. So that was a good spot from the article. Little Rock and Texas State, which I did preview over at bangthebook.com yesterday. We got a winner with the un, or with the over, excuse me, in that one. Texas State does come away with the ATS victory as well. That was a game I mentioned on Thursday. I kind of backed off the side a little bit in terms of the preview, but if you read the situational article and followed through, that one was a winner for you. Oregon got revenge over Colorado. They won that game by eight. I think they were five and a half, six point favorite in that one. So they covered the number there. And also the Weber State Montana game that we talked about a little bit on Monday's segment with Kyle Hunter. Talked about it in my situational article that, you know, Montana, the vastly superior team losing the first game, you knew that they were going to get revenge in this second game. And they did. Won that game comfortably. Easy cover for Montana. So these situational spots aren't always going to work out in our favor necessarily but they do give you a starting point for narrowing down the card and the situational spots for Thursday wound up doing very, very well. So I thought it was a good opportunity to circle back and talk about the situational spots that I'm looking for on Saturday. Now we did talk about a couple of these games in our previous segment uh, with Greg Peterson, VCU and Richmond, Richmond going for revenge after getting blown out in the first meeting of that rivalry series, West Virginia and Baylor, another game that we talked about few more that I want to add to the list here for Saturday. And again, with 150 games, time is a factor. You try to be as efficient as you possibly can with your time. That means kind of narrowing your focus a little bit, getting some of these situational spots together. So one that I'm kind of looking at here, Bowling Green and Ball State. Now this one's not setting up as well as I thought it would because Bowling Green did not play very well earlier in the week against Akron. Now, if they had played really well in that spot, I would have really liked fading Bowling Green here on Saturday. I still think that the opportunity is there. Now, they did lose by 15 in that game against Akron, so we're not exactly buying, or we're not exactly selling at a high point here with Bowling Green, but they play Buffalo, they get that road win, they lose at Central Michigan, they beat Toledo at home in a big rivalry game for them, then the loss to Akron. Now they play Ball State. Then they play Akron and, or they play Ohio and then Akron in back-to-back home games. Those are Mac East games. Division games, much more important here at this time of the year. So I think this is a difficult spot here for Bowling Green, going all the way out to Muncie to take on a Ball State team that's pretty good. Ball State probably going to be favored in the five or six point range, maybe as high as seven out there. But I do think this is a pretty good spot for Ball State. Now it's not as good as it would have been if Bowling Green would have played well against Akron. And again, I take a broad look at the situational spots before the week even begins. So some of these line up really well. Some of these don't line up as well. But I think Bowling Green, a bit of an overachiever here in the MAC this season. I think this is a tough spot for them against Ball State with those home games coming up against Ohio and Akron. Little Rock and UT Arlington. This one down in the Sun Belt here. And... I talked about this in my Thursday preview for that Little Rock and Texas State game. Little Rock has been very fortunate this year. They've had some games where you know they've kind of given up some big leads. They've been able to hang on. They've won a lot of close games. Now, UT Arlington does not have a great record. But earlier this year, they only lost by three at Little Rock. Little Rock did lead most of that game, but things got very, very dicey late. Little Rock losing to Texas State. I think they could lose this one too here as they go through the Texas two-step down in the Lone Star State, I guess it's a difficult spot for Little Rock. You know, you're coming off of a loss. It does kind of bring you back to earth a little bit. It does kind of humble you some. But at the same time, if you've been playing really, really well and you lose a game, a lot of people think, okay, that team's going to rally. That team's going to turn it around and they're going to be better for it. That's not always the case. You lose a game and you start wondering, What's wrong? Is there something wrong with us? Have we just been getting lucky? Have we been playing over our heads? Have we been overachieving? We know that a lot of times in sports, a lack of confidence can be a death knell for some of these teams. I think that could be the case here for Little Rock. Coming off of that loss, knowing that maybe they had played over their heads a little bit, UT Arlington doesn't have the record, but they're 
pretty highly rated as far as Sunbelt teams go. I do like the Mavericks here in this one. I think they'll be a small favorite, maybe in that range that Texas State was, maybe a little bit lower than that, maybe a point, point and a half favorite, somewhere along those lines. But I do like UT Arlington a little bit here in this Saturday game as they take on the Little Rock Trojans. A couple others that I really, really like here. Marshall and UTEP play on Saturday. Marshall is a long way from home, playing this Texas two-step here in Conference USA play. Huntington, West Virginia is very, very far from El Paso, Texas. This is a bad spot here for Marshall, I think. They're playing in the elevation, a long way away from home, and all of these teams in Conference USA have a little bit of uncertainty here this week because Conference USA reshuffles the conference schedule. They kind of take stock of, where these teams are, kind of where they're sitting in conference play. And then they put together the back portion of the conference schedule. So a lot of these teams don't really know where they're going for their next games. So for Marshall here, you've got some uncertainty. You've got the UTSA UTEP swing. Now you're playing in elevation. And, you know, Marshall doesn't run up and down the floor the way that they used to and chuck a bunch of threes or anything like that. But still, I think this is a difficult spot in the altitude here taking on UTEP. So, the Miners are going to be on my short list for Saturday. We'll see what this number comes out looking like, but I do like this one a little bit here from a spot standpoint. Probably my favorite spot on Saturday is this one between NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology, and Liberty. These two teams in the Atlantic Sun Conference. Liberty has two losses in conference play. They lost to North Florida, and they lost to Stetson. Next week at home, Liberty plays North Florida and Stetson. So in order to avenge their two conference losses, they've got to get through this game. And they're going to be a massive favorite in this game. Certainly higher than 15, probably not as high as 20. But Liberty beat NJIT 65-38 to on the road earlier this season. I think there's a very good chance that Liberty completely overlooks the Highlanders in this game. Now, it's going to be an ugly team to back. NJIT is very, very bad, but we're going to be getting a big number here in this game, and I'm hoping somewhere in the 18, 19 point range, something like that, but I think I've got to give a lot of consideration to NJIT here in this one with Liberty having that big inflated price tag, the chance to overlook them after blowing them out earlier on in the season, holding them to just 38 points, and then the two revenge games against North Florida and Stetson coming up. Liberty could definitely sleepwalk through that game on Saturday. And if you give NJIT enough points, I think they'll be able to hang around and cover the number. Weber State and Montana State. Now, this is one where I thought I would be all about fading Weber State here. And maybe I still will. Because I think Weber State at this point in time, their only concern, their only worry is the Big Sky Conference Tournament. That's the only thing that they're worried about now with their one-shot deal to try and get into March Madness. They got blown out by Montana. It was ugly. And Montana never took their foot off the gas pedal in that game on Thursday night. So maybe that mobilizes Weber State a little bit. But Montana State is a better team. And I think we could see a flat effort from the Wildcats here. Again, you know, like I said, they're a team that now at this point in the Big Sky portion of the season, I don't think they're too worried about anything except for maybe getting a third crack at Montana in the conference tournament maybe looking to try and play spoiler with their season. I don't think the Wildcats really show up here, take on Montana State. So again, if they had been more competitive against Montana, I would like this spot a lot more, but I still think it's a pretty good situational spot here to look to try and fade Weber State as they take on Montana State here on Saturday. Finally, one more, and we touched on this game. We scratched the surface of it a little bit here on our Thursday segment with uh, John Ryan, but Villanova and Temple, you know, Villanova, In the last three years, they've beaten Temple by 10, 20, and 21 points. And if we go back a fourth year, when it was a similar spot with a game in the month of February, Villanova won by 16. So maybe Villanova just blows out Temple again, but obviously an intriguing spot here with the break from conference play with Villanova stepping out of the Big East, Temple stepping out of the AAC. So You kind of wonder about that one a little bit. You sort of wonder about the mindset here of Villanova. But again, the last four years, they've dominated Temple. No reason to think that they don't do it again, but obviously a pretty interesting spot there on Sunday. One other one real quickly here. 
San Diego State is at Boise State. And Boise State is a pretty good team. They're one of the better teams here in the Mountain West Conference. And with each passing day, with each passing game for San Diego State with this perfect record, the pressure continues to mount. You know, because, again, you're playing with really no margin for error. You're, you, you're getting everybody's best shot game in and game out. And they've been blowing teams out left and right. But Boise State's playing a little bit better here of late. This is a Super Bowl type of game for them, a big shot for them. You kind of worry about San Diego State here in particular because they have not played many close games. And this line's probably going to be in the eight, eight and a half range here for this one. But if this is a close game, how does San Diego State fare in that particular spot? Now, they did beat Boise State by 18 the first time they played them. That was at home. They really haven't played any close games outside of that UNLV game that they won by four on the road in Vegas. So if they're locked in a close game here, do they pucker up a little bit? Do they tighten up a little bit? Maybe Boise State, if the price is right, is a fairly decent look here on Sunday. But again, I'm going to need probably close to double digits to really feel confident in that one. All right, so we switch over to the NHL for a few minutes here. Take a look at some spots that are going on there. Uh, An interesting spot here on Saturday now. Initially, I thought this was a really bad spot for San Jose. They play Winnipeg Friday evening. Then they turn around and play Minnesota at 4 p.m. Central time on Saturday. But the Minnesota Wild just fired head coach Bruce Boudreaux. So now I don't know what the mindset is for the Minnesota Wild. So that one kind of changes the complexion of that game a little bit for me, where I thought it was a very bad spot for San Jose. But now I don't know what we're going to get from Minnesota in that first game with the coaching change. So. That's become a stay-away game for me here in this one. The Kings and the Avalanche. This one's kind of intriguing here on Saturday night. This is part of the Coors Light Stadium series. This is at Falcon Stadium at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Now, what's important to mention here, obviously, is that Colorado very used to playing in elevation, playing in Denver, but Colorado Springs is even higher in elevation than Denver. So I think this is a spot that really, truly does favor Colorado as that adrenaline, as that initial emotion kind of fades from this game. I think the Kings are going to be in a very difficult spot. It's going to get cold as the game goes along. Um, I think Colorado's in a great spot here. Now, you're going to lay a very, very big number. So I would say maybe you kind of look uh, Los Angeles first period, maybe Colorado from a live standpoint, something like that. Maybe Colorado on the puck line. You're going to have to lay a big price here for an outdoor game where the home teams actually don't fare all that well traditionally in these outdoor games. But I think in in this spot with the cold weather, with the elevation, Colorado is is in good shape as this game goes along. So maybe wait, hope Los Angeles scores the first goal, something like that. Maybe the emotion gets me too much for Colorado with friends and family, stuff like that. But I think as this game goes along, Colorado will be the side there. So maybe look for a live betting opportunity with the Avalanche in that stadium series game here on Saturday evening. Chicago and Calgary is a very interesting game here. Calgary, big blowout win over Anaheim. I mentioned this in the situational article this week that for whatever reason, Calgary does not play well in Anaheim. They had lost 24 of 26 in Anaheim, but pick up that big win there on Thursday. I don't like this spot for them here on Saturday hosting Chicago. Now this is the front end of a back-to-back, but Chicago, couple days off in Calgary, they get to practice, they get to kind of hang out. It's a 4 and 6, 5 and 8, 6 and 10 and 7 and 12 for Calgary here. So I think with a little bit of rest, with a little bit of travel for Calgary, I guess a decent spot for Chicago here getting a plus money price on the road on Saturday. I kind of like that one a little bit uh, with an underdog look there on Saturday. The Islanders and the Golden Knights. Vegas just, something's still misfiring with this team. Barry Trotz plays out the end of what has been an emotional week. You know, they play uh, against Washington, where Barry Trotz won the Stanley Cup. Play against Nashville, where Barry Trotz was a coach for a long time. Now they go to Vegas, where Trotz won that Stanley Cup. And Vegas and St. Louis They put a lot into that game the other night, uh, last night, actually, on Thursday night. I wonder here what happens now with this spot for Vegas. Are they able to hold serve at home? I know that St. Louis had 
everything going on with Jay Bomeister. They had the dad's trip, stuff like that. Vegas put a lot of information or a lot of uh, emotion and you know, impetus into that game. Now what against New York? I think the Islanders could be a decent look here on Saturday night against Vegas. St. Louis plays Nashville here on Sunday. I think it's a bad spot. You're coming off the dad's trip. Very emotional trip there with Jay Bomeister and everything that happened with him. I think Nashville in a good situation here uh, on Sunday. This concludes a home and home between the two teams. I do like Nashville a little bit in that spot there on Sunday. And one other one to look at for Sunday, Toronto and Buffalo. You know, Buffalo not playing particularly well here of late. Toronto with some very key injuries in the back part of their defense. Uh, you got Buffalo without Linus Allmark. They've been going with Carter Hutton. Their goaltending is a big question. This is a stone-cold over game on Sunday here between Toronto and Buffalo. Toronto not good in their own zone. Buffalo not good in the net. I like the over in that game on Sunday between Toronto and Buffalo. Coming up on our Monday edition of Bang the Book Radio, I'll do another edition of the Betters Box, my MLB betting podcast. Update some of the injury notes. We got some full team workouts starting on Monday, so we'll talk about some of that. And I'll talk some more about some of the, the concepts I'm looking at, maybe some of the key things that I've found, sort of tease my MLB betting guide a little bit in the first segment on Monday's show. Then we'll chat with professional handicapper Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com and also bettersportspicks.com when they look ahead at the upcoming week in college basketball. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.